Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, The Winter Soldier, Chapter 3. Harley drove the little red car with its new water pump back to Lisa Monroe early the next morning, with Cy following in his big utility vehicle. Lisa was overjoyed at the way the engine sounded as Harley pulled up the front porch and revved it before he turned it off. It hasn't ever sounded that good before, she says, thank you, Harley. You're very welcome, ma'am, he said, making her mock bow with his hat held against the chest. But I didn't fix it. I'm just delivering it. She laughed inside glowered. She and Harley were close in age, or he missed his bet. The man, despite his bravado, was honest and hardworking, and basically kind. So I wondered how old Lisa was. Well, at least she was young enough to find Harley's company simulating. Probably much more stimulating than the company of an aging mercenary who was disabled and cynical. Won't you both come in for a cup of coffee? She invited. I will, so I told her. Harley, go take a look around and see what needs doing. Then find Lisa's part-time help and get them on it. My pleasure, Mr. Parks, he said with a wicked grin and turned to follow the treasury. Tersely given instructions. Lisa gave sighs, speaking of, go ahead, he invited. Tell me that yours are getting done by people other than you. Tell me that the south pasture is being hated before they predicted rains. Rainy days after tomorrow. Tell me, he added Markley, that you've got your new calf club vaccinated and tagged. She got redder by the minute. She didn't want to tell him that she couldn't get the men to take her suggestions seriously. They were throwbacks to another age. Most of them were twice her age, and the madder she got, the more indulgent they became. Once she threatened to quit, once they threatened to quit, they had her over a barrel and she gave up. Hands were thin on the ground these days of year. She could barely afford to pay her employees as was. Harley will get them moving, he told her. Her lips compressed and her eyes sparked. She looked at her. I know, he said, it's a new age. Men and women are equals. You pay the wages and that means they need to do what you say. She made a gesture of agreement, still without speaking. But if you want people to obey, you have to speak in firm tones and tell them who's the boss. And it helps, he added darkly, if you hire people who aren't still living in the last ice age. They were all I could find to work part-time, she muttered. Did you go over to the labor office and see who was available, he asked. The suggestion hadn't occurred to her. Probably she'd have found young, able body help there. She could have kicked herself for being so blind. No, she confessed. He smiled, and that wasn't a superior smile either. You aren't aggressive enough. I beg your pardon. If you go and if you're going to hire that type of man, you have to have the whip hand. I'll teach you. If that means I'll end up being a local legend like you, I'm not sure I want to learn it. She replied with a twinkle in her dark eyes. Old Lady Monroe, he was trying to carries a shotgun and emasculates men in the barn. She flushed. Stop that. Isn't that nicer, Mitch, than sweet little Lisa, who hasn't got the heart to fire man just because he like lies in wait in her bed dead drunk and stinking. Sigh, he grinned as she curled one hand into her fist. Much better, he said. Now hold that thought when you speak to your lazy hands next time. In fact, don't smile at them ever again. Be decisive when you speak, and don't ask. Tell. You'd get better results. She had to admit, she wasn't getting any results all the way she... All the way she was. On the other hand, she was still young and feeling her way through leadership. She wasn't really a drill sergeant type, she had to admit, and the ranch was suffering because of it. I don't suppose you'd like a ranch, she asked whimsically and was startled when he replied immediately that he would. Oh, she stared at it perplexed. I'll give you the going market price. We'll get two appraisals and I'll match the highest one. You can rent the house from me and I'll manage the cattle and the cowboys. He added weirdly. 
it's not in very good shape, she said honestly and pushed her glasses back up on her nose. It will be. If you're willing, I'll have my attorney draw up the papers tomorrow. I'm very willing. I'd be happy to sign them. What about the appraisals? I'll arrange for those. Nothing for you to worry about now. If only my father hadn't been such a throwback, she murmured, leading the way into the ramshackled house. He thought a woman's place was in the kitchen, period. I'd much rather be working in the garden or doctoring cattle than cooking stuff. Can you cook? Breads and meats and vegetables, she said. Not with genius, but it's mostly edible. She poured black coffee into a mug and handed it to him. When she sat down across the table from him, he noticed the dark, deep circles on her eyes. You aren't sleeping much, are you? Yeah, she said. I'm still halfway in shock, I guess. Married and widowed and pregnant. And all in less than two months. That would be enough to unsettle most women. I imagine so. He sipped his coffee. She made the decaf strong. And it, tasted, it tasted pretty good. He studied her narrowly. You haven't had any more problems that night, have you? None at all, thanks. She smiled. And thank you for having my car fixed. I guess if people are going to own old cars, they need to be rich or know a lot about mechanics. They do, he agreed. But I'll keep your little tin can on the road. It's not a tin can, she said. It's a very nice little foreign car with an... She searched for the right word. Erratic personality. Runs when it feels like it. He translated. She later. At least I don't have to have a ladder to get into it. He smiled. Remind me to have a step put on just for you. She didn't reply, but the statement made her feel warm and safe. God knew why. She was certain he wasn't really going to modify his vehicle just for her. She'd only been in it once. Do you like opera? He asked out of the blue. Me, well, yes. Turn a dot. I like anything Puccini composes. Why? It's plain in Houston. I thought we might go. She pinched her jean-clad leg under the table to see if she was dreaming. It felt like it, but the pain was real. She smiled suddenly. I'd really like that. Then her face fell. She moved restlessly and rubbed her eyes. Better not, I guess. You don't have to wear an evening gown to the opera these days. He said as if he actually read her mind. He smiled when her eyes came up abruptly to meet his. I've seen students go in jeans. I imagine you have a Sunday dress somewhere. I do. She laughed nervously. How did you know I was worried about clothes? I read minds. He mused. She said, in that case, I'd love to go. Thank you. He finished his coffee. Friday night, then I'll go round up Harley and see what he knows about your place. He got up pessy. Listen, there are some things going on around here. I don't want to frighten you, but Lopez has been in and around town. I want you to keep your doors locked and be careful about strangers. I always am, Caesar. Do you keep a gun? She gave me no, I have puppy dog. Puppy dog will get under a bed if there's trouble. He shouted flat. I'll still, I've still got Nell staying in the bunkhouse at night, and he's armed. All you have to do is yell. He'll hear you. He's a very light sleeper. He can't be sure that Mr. Lopez means me harm. I'm not, but I'm a calm, I'm a cautious man. <laughs> All right, she said. I'll keep both eyes out for trouble. I'll pick you up Friday night about five. Okay. She nodded. I'll be ready. She went with. She went with him to the front door, so behind the screen door to study in front. Sigh, is it too soon for this? Because you've been a widow such a short time. She said, I know you miss Walt. I'm not offering anything heavy, just a trip to the opera. It's very unlikely that we'll see anybody who knows us in Houston. I guess you're right. She pulled both arms around her. The walls are beginning to close in on me. I don't doubt it. A night at the opera isn't exactly a case for gossip. Of course not, she's not. I'll see you Friday then. And thanks. I get lonely too. He said with surprising candor.
He gave her one last grin, walked out to find Harley. His foreman was tight-lipped as he came striding out of the barn. When Harley forgot to be irritating, he was a cowboy and a half. Most of the men walked wide of him in a temper already. The whole damn place is about to fall to pieces, he said without preamble. The hay hasn't been cut. The corn hasn't been put in the silo. There are breaks in half the fences. The calves don't even have a brand. What the hell kind of men did Miss Monroe hire? Lazy ones, apparently. So I said to Find them and put them all on notice. Lisa least it's on me the place. We'll put on four new men to work this ranch and share chores with my own. It's a wise decision on her part, Harley said. She doesn't seem to know much about the business end of cattle ranching. Her father thought women weren't smart enough to learn it. Simon's what an idiot, Harley replied. My mother can brand cattle right along with the cowboys, and she keeps the books for Dad. A lot of women are big-time rangers, too, Sigrid, but Lisa doesn't really have the knack or the love for it. Cattle ranching is hard work, even if you do. Harley nodded. I'll put her part-timers on notice and get the boys over here with a tractor and a combine to hang those fields and harvest the corn. When you get that organized, I said, I want to know what you saw over at the honey warehouse last night. Not much, Harley admitted. And I got challenged on your land by a man with a rifle. Good thing there was a cow down in the pasture for me to show him. He had it with a grin. I told him we had a problem with loco weed and offered him to show him where it grew. He went back on his side of the fence and didn't say another word. That was a stroke of luck, I remarked, because we don't have any local weed. We do now, Harley murmured. I set, a, I set out a couple of plants and netted them just in case I get challenged again. Now that I have a legitimate reason to be out there, they won't pay much attention to me. And if they go looking for local weed, he added with mocking, Why? Why they'll find it, won't they? So I smiled at the owner. You're a treasure, Harley. Glad you noticed, boss. And how about that race? Don't push your luck. Came to drive by. I'll talk to you later. Sure thing. So I drove to the lawyer's office the next morning to discuss the land by. Blake Kep was tall, 30-ish, with a gray streak in his black, wavy hair and pale blue eyes. He was the terror of the Jacobsville court circuit, although he looked mild-mannered and intelligent. Deceptive, so I'm used studying him, because Kep had a bit a bite like a rattlesnake in court. I'm going to buy the Monroe place, so I said without preamble. Lisa can't run it alone, and she hasn't the capital to make improvements or even necessary maintenance. So, good decision on her part, Blake told him. And on yours. It's good land, and it joins your property. He purses to the lips. Is that the only merger you're contemplating? Size eyes now. She's only been widowed two weeks, he pointed out. Blake nodded. I know that, but she's going to have a hard time paying rent. She doesn't even have a job anymore. So I studied immediately. Well, I guess I could use a receptionist, he said. Callie Kirby is my paralegal, and she can't really handle the research and the phones at the same time. Besides, Lisa worked for a colleague of mine last year. She knows her way around a law office. What happened to the brunette who works with Callie? I asked. Gretchen's gone off to Monaco, Morocco with a girlfriend from Houston. Blake said with a joke. She spent the past few years nursing her mother through fate, fatal bout of cancer. Yes, homie. And then the first man who took a shine to her. Insurance money broke her young heart. She needed a change of scene, and she said she doesn't want to work in a law office when she comes back. So there's a job available if Lisa wants it. I'll tell her. Thanks. We all like Lisa. She's had a rough deal. One way or another. She has indeed. Now about those appraisals. When Cy came to pick Lisa up for their trip to the opera, he was wearing a navy sports coat with dark slacks and a white shirt. His tie combined 
combined red and navy in a pacerly prince. He looked dignified and very handsome. Lisa was, Lisa was glad he hadn't worn a dinner jacket because she had nothing that dressy in her small wardrobe. The best she could find was a simple gray jersey dress with long sleeves and a skirt that fell to her calf. She covered it with her one luxury, a lightweight black microfiber coat that was warm against the unseasonable cool autumn winds her hair was in a neat complicated braid and she wore more makeup than usual to disguise her dark circled eyes she slept badly or not like or not at all lately not completely because because she missed walt she was having some discomfort that concerned her she knew that pregnancies could fail in the early weeks and it bothered her she really needed to talk to her doctor when she went for the next visit might be nothing but she didn't want to take any chances with her baby not bad at all, Sam mused, watching her pull on the coat over her clinging dress. She had a pretty figure. Thank you, she said, calling little. You look nice, too. I talked to my attorney about the property, he said, after he helped her into the utility vehicle and started the engine. He's contacted two appraisal firms. They'll be out next week to see the ranch and give you an estimate. That worried her. She hated seeing the family ranch go out of the family, but what choice did she have? She smiled wanly. What was planning a dynasty, Shriko? Talked about all sorts of imp improvements we could make, but when I mentioned having kids to inherit it, he went cold as ice. Psychalancer. <laughs> Not much point in working yourself to death just out of the empire going on the market the minute you're in the ground. That's what I thought. She turned a small purse over her lap. Just as well that you'd have the ranch, she added. You'll know how to make it prosper. You'll still be living there, he pointed out. It'll be a damn good, I'll be a damn good landlord, too. Oh, I know that, she said. I'll still have to get a job, though. I'll want to put what I get for the ranch into a savings account so the baby can go to college. <laughs> she, she surprised him constantly. Thought she might want to brighten up the house, even buy herself a decent car. But she was thinking ahead to the day when her child would need to continue his education. Nothing for you, yes. I've got everything I really need, she said. I don't have expensive tastes, even if Walt did. Besides, I've got a little nest egg left over from some cattle Walt sold off before he, before he died. I know of a job if you want it. He distracted her, which was what she supposed he intended. Really? <laughs> Captain Aid's a receptionist, he said. Regin's gone off to Morocco, and she isn't coming back to work for him. So now Callie Kirby's up to her ears and work. Cap said she'd be welcome. What a nice fancy. Now there's a word that doesn't connect itself with Cap. He gave us all up. Or do you know that people talk in whispers around him? He doesn't seem that bad. He isn't the people he likes. His eyes softened as he searched her averted face. He'll like you, Lisa Monroe. You're good people. Thanks, so are you. Occasionally. She glanced in his direction and smiled. It's funny, isn't it? The way we get along? I was scared to death of you when you first moved here. You were so remote and difficult to talk to. People said you made rattlesnakes look companionable. Why, for comparison? I moved here not long after I buried my wife and son, he replied. In memories called out his mind. I hated the whole world. Why did you move here? She asked curiously. He wasn't surprised that she felt comfortable asking him questions. She wouldn't have tolerated it from anyone else. But Lisa already was under her stick skin. I needed someone to talk to, I guess. He confessed. Eb lived here, and he and I go back a long way. He'd never married, but he knew what it was, was to lose people. I could talk to him. You can talk to me, too, she pointed out. I never tell what I know. He smiled at who would you tell it to? You don't. You don't have close friends, do you? She shrugged. All my friends got married right out of high school. They got kids of their own now, and until fairly recently, I didn't even date much. I've been the odd one out most of my life. Other girls wanted to talk about boys, and I wanted to talk about organic gardening.
I love growing things. We'll have to lay out a big garden spot for your next ring. You can grow all sorts of stuff. That would be nice. I've got a compost pile. She added brightly. It's full of disgusting things that will produce terrific tomatoes next year. I like cattle, but I'm not much of a gardener. It's a lot of work, but you get lovely things to eat, and they aren't poisoned by pesticides either. She glanced out the long, flat, dark horizon. I guess you aren't big on people who don't like to use chemicals. Haven't you heard? He chuckled. I go to Cattlemen's Association meetings with J.D. Langley and the trim of my brothers. Oh, why? She said... Because she's heard about the uproar at some of those gatherings where the Trimamanes had been in fistfights over pesticides and growth hormones. Their position against such things was legendary. I enjoy a good fight, he added. I use bugs for pest control and organic fertilizer on my hay and corn and soy bean crops. He glanced at guess where I get the fertilizer. Recycled grass, huh? She asked him, waited for him to get the point. He threw back his head and roared. That's one way to describe it. I have some of that, too, and I use it in my garden. I think it works even better than the chemical ones. The subject of natural gardening and cattle raising supplied them with topics all the way to Houston, and Lisa thoroughly enjoyed herself. Here was a man who thought like she did. Walt had considered her organic approach a keen to insanity. The parking lot at the art center was full, so I managed to find one empty space about a half a city block away. Now that's a full house, he remarked as he helped her down from the vehicle and repositioned her coat around her shoulders. This thing sure is all. Is it wool? He asked, smothering over it with his fingers. It's a microfiber, she told him. It's very soft and warm. The nights are pretty chilly lately, especially for South Texas. The winter's crazy everywhere. He nudged a long, loose curl from her braided hair behind her ear, making her heart race with the almost sensual movement of his lean fingers. I thought you might wear your hair loose. It's difficult to keep in place when it's windy, she said, sounding and feeling breathless. His fingers teased the curl and slowly dropped to her soft neck, tracing imaginary lines down it to her throat. He could feel her pulse go wild under his touch, hear the soft, broken whip of her breath at his chin. It had been far too long since he'd had anything warm and feminine this close to him. Restraints that had been kept in place were sheer will were crumbling just at the proximity. He moved a full step closer that it so that her body was right up against him in the opening of her coat. His hands were both at the back of her neck now, caressing the silky skin below her neck. I haven't touched a woman since my wife died, he said in a faintly thick tone, his voice unusually deep in the silence, the distant sound of cars and horns and passing radios fading into the background. She looked up straight into his green eyes in the glow from a street light and her heart race that look on his face was unfamiliar to her despite her brief intimacy with her late husband she had a feeling that sign knew a lot more than her husband ever had about women size thumbs edged around the tease up and down her long strained neck her vulnerability made him feel taller more masculine than ever he wanted to protect her care for her watch over her these were new feelings before his relationship to before, his relationship to a woman had been very physical. Lisa made him hungry in a different way. She parted her lips to speak, that he put, and he put a thumb gently over them. It's too soon, he said, anticipating her protest. Of course it is, but I'm starving to death for a woman's soft mouth under mine. Phil. He threw one of her hands to his shirt under the jacket and pressed it hard against the thunderous beat of his heart. She was more confused than ever. This was totally unfamiliar territory. Walden never said anything so blatantly vulnerable to her, not even when they were most intimate. 
His free hand went around her waist and drew her slowly closer, pressing her to him as his body reacted powerfully to the touch of her soft warmth. He lifted an eyebrow and smiled frequently at her person. Why, Mrs. Monroe, you're blushing. He chimes up, you wicked man. His nose brushed lazily against her in a tender nuzzle. I've probably forgotten more about women than Walt ever knew in the first place. He said, you don't act like a woman who's ever known satisfaction. That was so close to the truth that it hurts. She stiffened. He lifted his head and searched her eyes. His own narrowed. He moved her lazily against him and felt her breath catch. But her hands cling to the labels as if she was trying Oh, no. She choked as a surge of pure delight worked his way up her spine. She hated herself. Her husband was only buried two weeks ago. While she was thinking of ways to escape and fighting her own hunger, Sai backed her very gently against the big utility vehicle, edged one of her, her long legs out of his way to bring them into more intimate contact. This is the most glorious thing a man and woman can do together. He murmured as his mouth loaded her. He cheated you. I won't. Open your mouth. Her lips parted on a shocked little gasp, and his mouth ground into them, parting them. He wasn't hesitant or tentative. He demanded, devoured. His mouth was a weapon, fading, thrusting, biting, and all the while her body rippled with a thousand stings of new pleasure as she clung hard to his strength. Sensations she'd never known piled one upon the other until a hoarse moan tore out of her strained throat and went up into his mouth. Another minute, and he knew he wouldn't be able to pull back at all. He had her hips pinned with his, and his body ached for satisfaction. With a rough curse, he dragged his head up and moved away from her. She looked at him with dazed eyes and a flushed face, her mouth swollen from his kisses, her body shivering with new knowledge. He drew himself up to his full height, his eyes glittering like green diamonds in a face like stone. He had to fight to get a normal breath of air into his lungs. She tried to speak, but she couldn't manage even a whimper. Her body was still flying, soaring, trembling, with little shivers of pleasure that made her knees weak. He reached out and caught her small hand in one of his big ones, leaking her fingers. We'd better go inside, he said quietly. Yes, she let him pull her away from the truck and lead her toward the art center. She was amazed that she could walk it off. End of chapter 3